Well, it's always great to get the thoughts and the insights of Tim Brando. Of course, if you're a Big 12 fan, you see this guy on most Saturdays calling one of our games, and it's great to have him on the show. I'm Pete Mundo. Thanks for joining us on Heartland College Sports, whether it's on YouTube, the podcast, or one of our radio affiliates. Great to have you on board. Tim, uh, let's just start off with this offseason, which has been dominated by expansion talk, Big 12 rumors, who's coming, who's leaving the Pac-12, how would you assess what we've heard for what's going on like three, four months now of expansion chatter? Yeah, well, Pete, it's uh, understandable given the, you know, the period that we're in. This is certainly a huge transition period uh, in college football, and it's going to go on uh, this way probably for another three to five years as things continue to shake out with the 12-team format coming in, the new television rights uh, being implemented. Uh, as they will be not this year, but next uh, for all the different leagues. And uh, that'll be true. Uh, and obviously the hot story now is whether there will be television rights for the Pac-12. And and that's put us in a little bit of a, um, a hold pattern with regard to realignment. Um, I think that Brett Yormark is the most prepared to make the most moves, but it all hinges and depends on uh, on whether the, the presidents of the schools in the Pac-12 that are in peril uh, manage to uh, get in before the clock strikes midnight with a with a TV deal, and if and if the Pac-12, if George Klyavkov cannot do that, then I think your Mark's welcome wagon uh, in the Big 12 will start a chain of events that will lead to movement both in the the Big 12, uh, the Big 10 potentially. Uh, because I do think some Pac-12 teams uh, could be moving into the Big Ten as well uh, if the Big 12 moves that we foresee take place. Uh, and then, of course, the whole Mountain West uh, to, to possibly salvage some of what's left of the Pac-12. All that looms largely uh, in all of this right now. So uh, when you look at it, Tim, the Pac-12, I can't figure out what their leverage is, if any. I mean, it's a soft economy right now. You're the last conference to market. You can only play late night games. You can't get in the 11 a.m. Central slot, which has become pretty darn valuable to these TV networks. So, uh, you know, what is, if you're Klyavkov, what is the leverage there, if any? And what kind of cat and mouse game do you think he's ultimately playing with, whether it's ESPN, Fox, Apple TV, some of the other folks we've heard talked about? Well, he has more leverage than maybe you think, Pete. Even though the the economy is uh, soft, no doubt about it, the landscape uh, is soft. A lot of uh, television dollars have been spread uh, into two major conferences, and we know about that. The Big Ten and the SEC are the big kahunas. But the Big 12 also landed itself, I think, as good a deal as you could have possibly hoped for to think that its member institutions are going to get more money without Oklahoma and Texas being member uh, members of the the conference than they did when they had them, uh, but but live sports television, okay, live sports television is still of great value. Uh, the networks, the over the air networks, uh, are just not doing well in prime time anymore. Most of the great uh, dramatic and even comedy television really is found on pay television. Okay, all the Emmy Awards for dramatic TV are being won by Netflix, Paramount Plus, Peacock. You know, that's where yep. that's where they go. So uh, the lifeblood, you know, the company I work for, Fox, was, I think, the first over-the-air network to say, okay, we are 
foremost a live sports uh, football, primarily, network, starting with the 1994 move of the NFC to uh, Fox from CBS. Uh, I remember that all too well because a lot of uh, CBS talent left to go to Fox. It created opportunities for me, and I slid in and and hosted college football and called college football, the NFL, and the NCAA tournament for 18 years at CBS uh, before going to Fox back in uh, 2014. So uh, that was a, a visionary move on the part of, of Rupert Murdoch and the Murdoch family. Now, if you look at what Fox is all about, uh, just in the last decade, they've built this college football portfolio uh, to be maybe as close to the standard set by the NFL as an over-the-air network could. Uh, ESPN basically owned the sport with CBS having the SEC and NBC having Notre Dame, but basically everything else was with ESPN. Now Fox has said, wait a minute, we're going to be as big of a player as, uh, as ESPN is, and they are offering the, the stiffest challenge. But what they're doing is primarily on network TV. Uh, FS1 plays a strong role in what they do, but I think even they know that the the the, the real money that's going to be made is over 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 the air network coverage of the the college football playoff potentially the Big Ten currently the Big Twelve uh, currently and and we'll see what happens with regard to both the Mountain West and the Pac-12 as we move forward. But uh, there's no question that in the new CFP, when the new deal is done, and those negotiations are really ongoing, and will probably get really ongoing even more so once we get this football season underway, you can bet that ESPN is going to have company in the ownership rights for college football. Now, whether that's just from Fox or from the Fox Consortium, which includes both NBC and CBS with the Big Ten. You know, that deal, I mean, it was incredible to see that uh, the Big Ten actually made a conference deal with the deal actually orchestrated by its network partner, Fox. CBS officials and NBC officials were meeting with Fox to gain the rights that they did for the afternoon window at 3.30 and for the primetime window uh, at 7 o'clock in the Big Ten. It was really an NFL blueprint. Mm -hmm. uh, that they took and, and made part of the Big Ten to get them coverage in every network window on three over-the-air Tiffany networks. Pretty unique when you consider that the SEC is bought and paid for solely now by ESPN, ABC, Disney, their, their family of networks. So it's interesting. But there's no doubt that um, the 12-team playoff will have uh, more than one network partner. And by that, I mean uh espn without question will not own it all and um either fox or fox and family so to speak yeah uh, we'll have another piece of it so we'll see it's interesting times no doubt about that now uh, interesting times and one of the guys that's making it interesting to me uh, tim brando is new big 12 commissioner brett yormark uh, you've been around this sport for you know your entire broadcasting career as you just noted there how much has your mark changed some of the conversations around not just the present landscape of college sports, but also where college sports is going in the future down the road? Well, he's forward thinking. Uh, and, and I think that that's what you have to be if you're a commissioner 
in college football today. And it's noteworthy, in my opinion, that someone with his background, not someone that had been in athletic administration, Mm -hmm. got the job. We have now seen just in the last year, the last 12 months, the Big Ten hire a commissioner that had no background with regard to sports administration, but an entirety of background in television. And in fact, uh, was the, the guy that put together, wrote up really the blueprint for what was the bowl championship series that was authored by former SEC commissioner Roy Kramer uh, back in the 90s, that being Tony Petiti. I worked for him uh, for nine of my 18 years at CBS. And uh, Tony understands television and college football's role in television as much or more than anybody I know. And he gets that job. So then you see Jack Swarbrick, uh, who did have a place at the table uh, as an athletic director for Notre Dame that was the equivalent of a commissioner of the other conferences. So Notre Dame could always know they had a seat at the table. He decides to resign. Who do they replace him with? The former head of NBC Sports, Kurt Bavakwa. So it's, it's television that's driving the future of college football as it relates to the way people are going to be watching it uh, over the next 25 years. And Brett Yormark understands that aspect of the business, and it's why the Big 12 hired him. Uh, My bosses, uh, one of them in particular, uh, Eric Shanks, knows Brett Yormark very well from his days at NASCAR. Uh, I've not met Brett, but I really respect him, uh, and I look forward to meeting him. I'm sure I will during the course of the the upcoming season. But – you know, the venture into Mexico, uh, the thought mm-hmm. and process that uh, what he's seen Fox perform and do with the USFL season, with access to coaches and players and uh, those kinds of things that he's hinted he wants to uh, toy with, with regard to the Big 12 in association with Fox. Those are all things I'm sure he and my boss uh, have discussed or he would not have mentioned it. Uh, through the course of the offseason. Those are progressive moves, and um, it's a way to channel additional revenue. You know, finding additional revenue streams is still important to the Big 12 because although they got a great deal uh, from Fox and from ESPN, it doesn't measure up to the same numbers that either the Big 10 or the SEC have, which is understandable. But in order to compete, you, you need what? more revenue streams. Mm-hmm. So he continues to search for those. And uh, this this move into Mexico, I think, is is one way of doing it. Uh, and there are going to be other ways uh, for, for those schools to make additional revenue so that they can compete at the highest level of college football. Tim Brando, of course, Fox Sports is joining us here, talking to him uh, through our radio affiliates, of course. Appreciate you guys, YouTube, uh, podcasts as well. Just hit that subscribe button. Tim, you have an interesting angle here because you do Big East basketball, of course, as well. And, you know, there's this chatter about maybe a team like UConn having some interest in the Big 12 and vice versa. Um, Brett Yormark wanting to possibly poach or should we say uh, take Big 12 (laughs) basketball and sell it separately to the TV networks from Big 12 football. His thought is that college basketball is undervalued on the open market. Does that make sense from a, a TV perspective to potentially break out basketball from football and pay for them separately? Well, let me say this, okay? And again, I I just mentioned a moment ago who I work for. (laughs) 
<laughs> and 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 we do have a deal with the Big East. And I don't want to speak out of turn because it doesn't fall under my job description. I could give you the old um, it's above my pay grade cliche line. <laughs> uh, but the the Connecticut thing, the Gonzaga thing, you know, those both came up, you know, with Brett Yormark. Mm-hmm. And uh, it again is another example of the forward thinking nature that your mark has. Uh, I will say this, uh, knowing what I do know about the, the new big, big 12 deal that we have at Fox uh, in the past uh, deal, we only did football. We didn't get any of the basketball, which is another story for another day. Perhaps <laughs> the people in charge at Fox chose to pass on it. Uh, I, I wasn't there then, but boy, I, in my opinion, they should have never passed totally on big 12 basketball because uh, the Big 12 brand in college basketball is every bit as strong as the Big 10 brand is in football. So it's of great value. And that new deal, as you know, will go into play. And I'll be excited to get back to places like uh, Lawrence, Kansas, uh, into Fort Worth, uh, down to Baylor and Waco uh, to get to call some games. I live in northwest Louisiana, and uh, it would be nice to get to a game that um, – I didn't have to take uh, two airplanes uh, to get to. So I wouldn't mind at all getting back into Big 12 basketball. But again, just to underscore the importance of what your mark is doing, he's right. Uh, college basketball, especially its regular season television, has been to some extent devalued. And it's really not television's fault. It's really college basketball's fault. Uh, having the NCAA tournament when they have it, starting the season, when they do in November and having it cross through the holidays, through college football, and really the NFL now being done in February leaves college basketball's regular season in a lurch. We only have about two and a half to three weeks of regular season. And then all of a sudden it's the NCAA tournament. So it's not a college basketball lost a lot of its regular season value because of the, the way the calendar shapes up. Uh, I really think it would be great if uh, March Madness were forced to move, and it's not going to happen until the new deal uh, is put in play in 2032. You know, that Turner CBS deal lasts that long. But once that deal is over, I'd love to see March Madness happen in late late March, but we should move back the final four to uh, mid-April, not worry about the Masters, getting started when the Masters has to get started. I I think shoehorning uh, college basketball in that way compromises their regular season. So, again, to your Mark's point, I think he's right. Anything you can do to make the regular season more valuable, in my opinion, moving it back, we shouldn't play a college basketball game, in my opinion, until after the 1st of December. I don't think we should have – uh, any bet you can have it during the holidays. I'm fine with that. Uh, but playing these games uh, in early November, these Battle of Atlantises, again, that's a part of, of ESPN buying up the sport with additional games that the NCAA allowed college basketball to have. We need to find a way to make college basketball's regular season more valuable. And in my opinion, that's the way to do it. Connecticut would be Uh, to answer your original question to some extent and maybe not get into hot water uh, (laughs) with my friends at the Big East, who I love, uh, Connecticut does have a Division I football program. 
And uh, most of the Big East programs have Division three programs if they have football at all. Um, whether that works for Connecticut, I don't know. Connecticut's in the red. They, their athletic department has struggled, but it was also a magnificent move for them to get into the Big East. You saw what happened. Shortly after they get there, boom, uh, their team gets a national championship for the first time since Calhoun was there. So that move, while it was condemned by many uh, because they threw, in, a, in effect, threw football under the bus to have to play as an independent, but their football team flourished. They got into a bowl game last year. And, of course, the Huskies won the national championship. Uh, the fact that there is any interest uh, from the Big 12 in them kind of says what a success story Connecticut was at a time when a lot of people lampooned them for doing what they did, leaving the American and going to the Big East and, and forcing their football to be independent. Um, but, yeah, all those things that, that they're discussing that your mark has brought up are byproducts of his trying to create additional revenue streams. And as a businessman, you can't blame him for that. No, you, you can't. So, Tim Brando, which of these four new Big 12 schools, BYU, Houston, uh, UCF, Cincinnati, as we look to the football season here, having 14 teams this year, which road trip is Tim Brando looking to make, or is that contingent on the <laughs> shortest uh, plane flight for Tim Brando? <laughs> well, how about a drive? You know, just yeah. a drive. I'm uh, I'm four hours from Houston, four hours from Waco, three and a half from Fort Worth. Uh, I have made the drive to Lawrence. Uh, I think I'd prefer to fly, but if I have to, if I have to drive because weather's bad in DFW, I know how to do it. I've driven that far. I did during COVID. Uh, I think during football season, without question, uh, being in Houston at that new stadium of theirs will be a lot of fun. Okay. Uh, also going to BYU, mm -hmm. uh, some of the first games I ever called uh, for ESPN back in the uh, mid to late 80s. Uh, were in Provo on Thursday nights. And, um, you know, shortly after they had won the national title with Robbie Bosco uh, in the 88-87 uh, seasons, uh, I went in with Vince Dooley to call uh, some games in 89 as well. That is a great environment that you have there. Uh, it also, BYU brings not just a national audience, but an international audience mm -hmm. uh, to the Big 12. A lot of eyeballs will be watching more Big 12 football because of the presence of BYU. UCF, my goodness. Orlando, I'm, I'm, down, I'm down for that anytime. Uh, and as I mentioned, Houston's a great get. And Cincinnati, too. This is uh, another area to kind of, kind of piggyback off of uh, uh, being in the Big Ten. I could, I could foresee seeing a, maybe a Thursday, Saturday week when Spencer and I could be at a Cincinnati Bearcats game on a Thursday and just drive over for Columbus on Saturday and have a Buckeyes game in the Big Ten. That'd be a that'd be a lot of fun. That is uh that's a dream weekend right there, Tim. That's pretty <laughs> darn good. So yeah. when you look at the Big 12, I mean what I love about this league, and it's been this way for a few years now, but it will be with the new teams. There's no one in this league, Tim, who thinks that they won't at least make a bowl game. I don't know if this team is a college football playoff contender in it, but as someone who's at these games every Saturday, has been there for the chaos the last few years, the excitement, mm -hmm. are you expecting more of that this year, or do you see a team or two separating itself from the pack? No, I, I, I think it's the most balanced league in America. Uh, it was a year ago. I thought it was, I thought it was two years ago. 
the difference last year was we had this incredible story in Fort Worth with uh, a team that really utilized the transfer portal uh, to the nth degree to get good fast. And, and everybody, everybody bought in mm-hmm. and they started the year uh, unbeaten and stayed unbeaten until uh, they got knocked off uh, in their championship game. And when you look back at uh, what happened to TCU uh, losing to Kansas State, I thought that that as big of an upset as it might seem in some other leagues, it wasn't an upset in the Big 12 because Spencer and I had had the first game, which was a primetime game uh, earlier in the year. I want to say TCU was 7-0 and at the time. Kansas State got out to an 18-point lead. Uh, and then all of a sudden, here comes TCU with another patented comeback. Almost, well, it was actually larger than the 17-point comeback they had the week before against Oklahoma State uh, in, uh, in Fort Worth. And they won that game. Um, when they played again, you always know in a championship game, in a rematch, the team that uh, lost the first game could be at an advantage. Uh, and and yet TCU got to the precipice, obviously, of, of pulling it off because of the outstanding play of uh, a tremendous quarterback. They got to within a yard of, of still bailing themselves out. But Kansas State winning was no fluke. Uh, they were really, really good. And they're going to be great, I think, this year. Um, TCU is, I think, a team that because of their success a year ago, even though they lost a lot of that personnel, uh, they're going to have a lot of guys that are used to winning. And we know what they've done from the portal standpoint to continue to be outstanding at the skilled position. So they'll compete. Baylor with Blake Shapin, a year older, I think that defense is still going to be really, really good. Uh, they're going to be very competitive, and Oklahoma State's not going anywhere. So all those teams are really good. And with the influx of the others that we just mentioned, boy, I don't see any backup at all. I only see the league getting more demanding, stronger, but yet balanced uh, in a way that that no other conference really is. And when I say that, I mean that. I, I do think that there are different tiers of success in both the Big Ten and in the SEC. The Big 12, I don't see that. I don't see second and third tier teams necessarily. I, I didn't mention Texas Tech, but how good is Joey McGuire's team going to be this year? Mm-hmm. We'll get an early sign in that Oregon game, which is already slated to be televised uh, on Fox in week two. It'll be part of a quadruple hitter that we have on Fox that week. Um, the Colorado game, I think, is is the first one. That one would be against Nebraska. And then there's uh, three other games that are all really good, including USC and Stanford, Texas Tech and Oregon, uh, and another game that uh, escapes me for the moment. But all four of them are really, really good games. And that'll be a quadruple hitter that we have. And that Oregon-Texas Tech game in Lubbock, will be one hell of a shootout. It will be. Can't wait and can't wait to be, of course, watching and listening to Tim Brando calling those games right around the corner. Many of us are already counting down the college football season on Heartland College Sports. I'm Pete Mundo. Thanks to our radio affiliates carrying the show as always, YouTube, podcasts. You guys know what to do. Hit that subscribe button 
And Tim Brando, thank you so much for being here, talking some Big 12 with us. We'll do it again soon, Tim. Thanks so much. Happy to do it, Pete. Always good to chat with you. Before you leave the show, do me a solid. Leave a rating, review, subscribe. We've still got those Heartland College Sports koozies. They've got your names on them. All you have to do is hit the five-star rating and review, and then send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. We'll get you hooked up to keep the beer cold on the lake at the beach all summer long. So appreciate you guys doing that. It helps us tremendously as we get ready for a big college football season. So thank you for taking 30 seconds out of your day to do that for us. And that's why we've got a nice thank you for you. Appreciate all you do. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.